Welcome to the Horns Up Half Hour, Cedar Hill ISD's podcast about scholars, staff, and community. Our guests will be individuals from the district and the community. This podcast is for anyone interested in expanding their knowledge of all things CHISD. Um, hello, this is uh, Michael Sudhalter, host of the Horns Up Half Hour, and we've got um, Chief James Hawthorne of the Cedar Hill ISD Police Department here with us today. I know we've done a couple episodes before, but always good to have you back. Always good to be on the show. All right, great. Well, um, I know we've got a lot to cover. Um, The beginning of a new school year, the 2023-2024 school year. So um, just talk about what it's been like so far for your department. Yeah, so far, you know, uh, knock on wood, you know, it's been a really um, slow period so far. When I say slow, that's a good thing. You know, we haven't had a lot of incidents that we've had to respond to. Hallways and schools have been clear. And we've had very few uh, disruptions or things that would require police intervention. Uh, so, you know, uh, I think our, our biggest issue has been traffic. Mm-hmm. Traffic around the beginning of the school, you know, the, the drop-off and pick-up. You know, we've had to deal with that and kind of change and tweak some, some drop-off and pick-up times. Uh, not times, but plans. But uh, that's, I think that's been the, the biggest hurdles that we've had to encounter this year so far. Okay. In addition to you know, planning for homecoming and all the activities associated with homecoming this year, because we're planning to um, make homecoming very special this year with a parade and all the oh, wow. activities that, that are associated with that. So, so you know, that, that that's all good stuff, good stuff for the community, good stuff for the school district, you know, uh, good visibility for everybody and instilling a sense of pride in the community with the school and all the activities and, and really trying to reach out and and wrap around and bring in the elementary schools, the middle schools. Yeah. Uh, you know, give it a small town, big town feel, you know, a little bit, you know. So so interested to see how that's all gonna come together and we're doing a lot of planning, you know, with that right now as well. Okay. Well, um the uh social media right now, obviously social media could be a good thing, like we're able to, you know, different um, entities are able to kind of get their message out there through social media, but then there's also like the downside of it, which is, you know, caused some safety concerns. So how do you think like parents should kind of talk to their kids about the um, challenges of social media? Yeah, I think, you know, parents just have to be parents. You know, you, you, you have to, to be involved in your kid's life. When I say be involved in your kid's life, I mean, you have to check their social media accounts. You have to have their passwords. You have to look at those things daily. Uh, and there are all sorts of things that kids do on the phones. You know, they have different apps that make them that, that look like a camera or look like something else other than it's not. But uh, those things are also apps that the kids use to disguise from parents, you know, what it is that they're actually communicating and talking on and, and, and uh, connecting with each other with. So just have to keep your eyes open. Educate yourself, you know, on, on those kinds of issues with kids and know what those things are and do your due diligence with, with checking and making sure that, you know, you instill a sense of, I own this phone, I, not the child, I own this phone, so I have a right to check it, I have a right to do all the things that I need to do to keep my child safe. Because as we know, kids nowadays, you know, they, they, they spend a lot of time in class, um, um, texting and messaging and stuff back and forth, you know, we really tried to put some things in place this year to kind of uh, eliminate that. 
but you know it still happens and so the source of a lot of conflict that we have deals around social media texting and all of those types of things even if they're not in school uh, they still communicate with each other that way so um, as a parent you know you just have to stay on top of it and um, you know camera phones a lot of the phones now most phones have camera devices and so there are a lot of uh, activities that get videotaped and passed around and sent around and so you just have to really keep involved be involved educate yourself educate your children and the most important thing that I can stress is be involved in every aspect of your child's life um, so that you're on top of all of those situations you know they can't have a phone or they can't they shouldn't have a phone without your permission or, you know or they shouldn't be able to have allowed to have anything on the phone without your permission right and you having a good understanding of what those things are and taking advantage of the parental locks and the all the sorts of things that you can do to restrict the phone uh, so that you're keeping your child safe because the other thing that we we didn't mention but you know there are predators out there and they come in and pretend to be people who they're not and so, you know, we want to keep our children as safe as we can from those types of situations. And then also discourage the other communicating that goes back and forth, uh, you know, that could instigate or start a fight or some other kind of disturbance at the school. Right. That was what you just said there. I was going to tie it into something else that we had talked about another mm -hmm. time was the anonymous alerts, yeah, which is um, a program that I know you guys do a lot with. How much has that helped as far as identifying not only about like potential fights and things like that but also like with the bullying and things like that yeah we get a lot of good information that comes through anonymous alerts you know a lot of the information that comes through deals with bullying some of it deals with uh, specific threats that are made to the school uh, some of it is um, information just intel that they want us to have uh, it could involve a potential situation that hadn't manifested itself yet, but they're letting us know, giving us a heads up so that we can kind of squash it before it becomes an issue. So it's a good tool. Uh, you do remain anonymous throughout that process. Okay. Uh, so there's no way for us to identify who's in the site or sending messages. And so it's a good tool to give us intel that we can act on, actionable information that we can act on in order to uh, prevent crime from taking place or other situations to take place. And uh, it's, uh, it's been very beneficial when we've had threats against the school. You know, we, we, we've had situations in the past, not this year, where somebody would make a threat against the school and kids on those campuses know what's going on and they send us information. And we've been able to use that information to track suspects down and, and make arrests and hopefully deter that type of activity from taking place. Okay, and I know we were, um, Cedar Hill was in the news um, for the heroic actions of one of your officers, actually, I'm sorry, it's a detective, yeah. detective Eric, Eric Roberts, Roberts. Um, yeah. but I know when, you know, a situation like this happens, it's like detective officer, it's like all that kind of falls by the wayside, and then you just have to do what they're trained to do, yeah. um, and he saved a one-year-old child's life, so tell me about you know how proud you are of his actions in that, in that situation? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I just gave him a, his award. We, we have an Employee of the Month uh, award that we give out each month. And I just, okay. just gave it to him just today. Oh, wow. And I gave it to him. It was based on his actions that he had done 
uh, for saving the child and also some other things that he had done uh, in the month of August. Oh, wow. But it was an exceptional job that he did. He recognized that there was a potential hazard there. You know, somebody alerted us that there was a child in the car that was locked. It was over 100 degrees outside. But the kid, I believe, had been in the car about five minutes or so. Uh, and so he took immediate action, went out and uh, broke the window out of the back of the car so that he could unlock it and get the child out. The child was okay. Uh, we had paramedics come and check the child out, but it was just really quick thinking on his part, quick thinking on the part of the individuals who contacted us, and luckily we were in the building at that time, and so we were able to respond pretty quickly to the situation and uh, prevent it, you know, a potential tragedy from taking place. And, and at the end of the day, the child was good, the parents were happy, and, and, and everybody celebrated the uh, quick action on Eric's part, so it was a good job. Okay, great. And then um, I know it's a lot that's been in the news about House Bill 3, which is um, mandating, you know, the number of officers and then every campus must have an officer, which, you know, sounds great in, in theory, but then the, right. the funding wasn't all there. So right. talk about what you've kind of um, have been having to go through as a chief with, yeah. with all that. Well, in, in a perfect world, when the state makes that mandate, you know, we, we want funds to appear with that you know, as well, and in this particular case, they didn't, so it presents a challenge, because every every police department or every police department within a school district and every school district in the state is now mandated by law to have a officer, an armed officer, on each school campus that has children, and so that officer could be a police officer, uh, according to the House building, giving us a little leeway, you know, uh, to not have a police officer. We can do it through security officers or a guardian or marshal program, uh, you know, as well. But uh, it's a mandate, and it's, it's, uh, it's challenging because now I'm competing with every police agency in the state. We all are. You know, there's a, a national police shortage anyway. So now, you know, that problem gets uh, further uh, strained by the fact that now we're competing with everybody in the state uh, to get people, you know, in, on our police force, and uh, and so you know it's going to be a challenge, you know. But I think you know we can potentially get it done. But uh, but there are those other options. But I know when you and I spoke earlier, you you were pretty adamant about you know no, I want my officers out there instead of yeah, some of the yeah. other um, yeah you know, options. Yeah, and it's a reason that we want police officers. I mean, I, you know, number one, they, they're better trained. Mm -hmm. uh, in most cases, they're better trained. And uh, we have the ability, in the event that uh, we have a, a, a situation where an active shooter or, or mass, mass casualty event that occurs on a campus, uh, if you go back to thinking about 911 and, and uh, what, what were the key issues there in 9-11 was inoperability. And we had multiple police agencies, multiple fire departments, multiple agencies from from all around the area in New York responding, and it was complicated by the fact that they couldn't talk to one another. And so, um, so you know, fast forward, you know, uh, the state and public safety agencies have recognized it as an issue, and have really tried to uh, uh, address it, interoperability, by uh, forming communication networks and channels where everybody can speak on, on the same channel or talk to each other now. And so we have that ability here in Dallas County. Dallas County uh, just pushed a new uh, agency, a new radio system out, P25 radio system, 
so that we have the ability to talk to other first responders who are responding to the scene. And that's important. I bring that up because if you're a security officer or a marshal or somebody that's not a police officer, a public safety person, you don't have the ability to communicate with other first responders as they are responding into the building. And that could have catastrophic consequences. We could go into a building, first responders go into a building not understanding or realizing that this person who's a security officer or a marshal or a guardian not aware that uh, who he is and mistake him for a gunman and, uh, and you know, try to neutralize that individual or neutralize that situation with, with him. And so I just don't think it's a good idea. Mm -hmm. uh, a person who doesn't have the public safety radio or communication is not in the ability to help us direct us once we get into the building as to where the person might be. So somebody with a public safety radio, the ability to communicate, we know exactly where the person is or we have, we can get eyes on him. We have a person who can communicate that information instantaneously to us. And so it puts us in a better chance to have a win, puts us in a better chance to uh, address the threat rather than mm -hmm. having to go in blind and, um, and that, you know, time cost us in those right. types of situations. So I know you work really well with um, Chris Santos from Emergency Management and also Chief uh, Reyes with the mm -hmm. city. Mm -hmm. What's it like having those partners, you know, to be able to work with? Oh, it's invaluable. You know, Chief Reyes is a great guy and we collaborate a lot. We pass information back and forth to each other. Uh, as it pertains to police work, police business, and uh, us enhancing each other's uh, ability to respond by just working together. So we train together, we, we pass intelligence information back and forth, and the same thing with Chris and emergency management, uh, help ensure that piece of the um, emergency response up enhances the police response and everything else that we do. So. Those are invaluable assets, and um, and again, um, it's all about relationships. Especially if you're talking about, uh, you know, with another entity like the city, you know, having that partnership and being able to um, talk to them at a moment's notice, or just having the, really the relationship where we're comfortable sharing information with one another, and understanding that we are here to serve the public. We're here to serve the citizens of Cedar Hill and also to serve the citizens and employees who work in the school district. So having those relationships are invaluable, and I think they've been fruitful uh, for us since I've been here. Okay. And then um, have you been involved with Holdsworth at all? Uh, somewhat. You know, we, we, they, they've brought the, the police chief in okay. <laughs> to, to get my perspective. On, on some of the issues that the school district is, uh, you know, wrestling through as it tries to build its management program and succession programs and really create a vision uh, for the district, you know, uh, a, a clear vision that we can pass down to all employees so that everybody's on the same page. And I think it's a great program. I think uh, they've done a lot uh, in terms of professional development and helping us really identify what are those key core things that we're trying to do as we as we serve the uh, the faculty and the students and everybody that's associated with the school district. So uh, it's been a, a, a very positive experience, you know, so far. Well, what if an officer um, came to you, and maybe even if it was like a younger officer and said, Chief, like I'd like to maybe be a chief one day, how would you kind of advise them? Tell them, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, 
you know, you 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 have to start at the. Um, you got to start where you got to start, right? Right. And, and so you got to get your foot in the door somewhere in management or in supervision in order to work your way up. You know, there are not very many people who come into a chief's position not having any type of leadership or right, professional right. development or command level experience. Yeah. You know, so you have to work on getting those things. And then under, getting a, a really good understanding when you work at a, at a higher level, you're actually getting the work done through other people. So how do you inspire those individuals to do the work? So we got to create a, a work environment where they feel like they're appreciated, that their, their work has value, and that we recognize uh, the value in the work that they're doing and appreciate you know, what they're doing. So that's all a part of, of leading, I guess, from a management perspective. And, uh, and sometimes when you're trying to make that transition, you know, you default back to the position that you've been in. Oh, okay. You know, and you default, if you've only been a sergeant or you've only been a lieutenant, then you default back to your comfort level, which is working as a lieutenant or working as a sergeant and not necessarily as a chief. And so, um, so we try to make uh, opportunities, you know, for them. And I would say, like, from... For my police department, for example, we try to push decision-making down to the lowest level in the organization to help build uh, their capacity when it comes to decision-making and management and those types of uh, things that would be important to someone that's trying to climb the career ladder. And so we push accountability and decision-making down to the lowest levels you know, possible. And, and, and it makes sense to me anyway because those individuals are the ones that are closest to the problem, right? They're the ones that are best able to inform me on what I need to do right. in order to affect the problem. You know, so so we, we need to 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 create systems or create a process that, that, that not only allows that to happen but shows that we appreciate that and that we value that as an organization. When you were a um, young officer in Arlington, um, were there did you have anyone that was kind of like a mentor that helped like guide you as you made the Oh, you yeah. way up the ranks. Or? Yeah, I had had several people who took an interest in me mm -hmm. and um, uh, helped me to create a career path, if you will, for for upward upward mobility. Okay. And so, making recommendations for things for me to do, assignments for me to have, projects for me to get involved with, so that it would expand my 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 knowledge base, if you will, mm -hmm. expand my paradigm to see it other than from just the position I was in, but try to see things from a management position on, you know, at a higher level. And when I'm making decisions at a lower level, but I'm making it uh, with the perspective of somebody who's over me, you know, it, it helps me to make better decisions, you know, on how to handle things or um, be able to anticipate questions and uh, that my supervisor would, would have and just made the whole project or the process that I'm involved in it made it a lot better for everybody involved, and I got the chance to grow. Yeah. As a as a you know as a result. Well, I think one of your best decisions was coming here to Cedar Hill ISD. <laughs> well, I, so I it was one of our best decisions to hire you too. Yeah. So. Well, I I, yeah. I, I, I would agree. I, I, yeah. I, I love uh, the the school district. I love the people that I work with. Uh, this has been nothing but uh, a, a very positive experience for me. When I first walked in the door, I didn't know. Because I had never worked at a school district, but yeah. that was one of the, uh, the one of the reasons that it attracted me because I was learning something new and learning something different. And yeah, so it's been a very good experience for me.
Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Chief, and always a pleasure to have you on the on the podcast. All right. Thanks, Mike. All right.